Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. The festival of Hanukkah is one of the most beautiful holidays. Contrary to the myth that Hanukkah is a minor holiday, Hanukkah is not minor. Hanukkah is a major holiday. Yes, there's a kernel of truth in that statement that it's a minor holiday because there are no restrictions such as the restrictions we have on Jewish holidays, such as Rosh Hashanah, such as Sukkot and Passover. We're allowed to do all the types of work that we normally do. There are no restrictions, but it's not minor in the sense that its message is very powerful, very spiritual. Which leads us to a question. Hanukkah is known for the questions that people have asked. There are hundreds of questions about Hanukkah. It's a, it's a very, very powerful thrust to ask questions on Hanukkah. And I think the reason is the word Hanukkah comes from the word chinuch, education. And when you educate a child, the way to educate them is to encourage them to ask questions. And you give them answers, they ask more questions. So there's one of the questions that is asked that if you look through the Mishnah, let me just explain what the Mishnah is. After the Bible, the Tanakh, the biblical literature, the next major work that was put into writing was the Mishnah. The Mishnah was written in the end of the second century of the Common Era, and it contains a collection of all the laws of Judaism that were transmitted orally and discussed orally by the great sages from the time of Moses onward, but because of the danger they might become forgotten, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Yehuda the Prince, also known as our holy rabbi, or just plain rabbi, he gathered all of his colleagues and his students, and together they collated and they edited all the information, and they put together a abridged version of all the oral traditions that were being passed down to help with people not forgetting the laws, because as Jews were becoming scattered all over the world, and there was no central place where everyone could come and consult with the sages, it became necessary to have a text. And then that text was supplemented by the Gemara, the Talmud, which elucidated and elaborated the words of the Mishnah. And from there onward, there are books written to cover and explain the Talmud, and so on and so forth. The Mishnah covers, as I said before, every every subject in Judaism, and it covers every holiday. There's a tractate of the Talmud that discusses the Sabbath. There's a tractate that discusses holidays in general. There's a tractate that discusses Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Passover. Uh, But there's no tract, and Purim even, there's no tractate, there's no volume of the Talmud that discusses Hanukkah. But not only that, the laws of Hanukkah are not mentioned at all in the entire Mishnah. There are no laws concerning what we're supposed to do on Hanukkah. Are we supposed to say special prayers? Are we supposed to light the menorah? How do we light the menorah? This direction, that direction, starting with one or starting with eight. There are many different discussions that are preserved in the Gemara, in the Talmud, but the Mishnah doesn't have any mention of Hanukkah. Yes, there are a few times that the word Hanukkah is mentioned, but it's mentioned not in the context of the laws of Hanukkah. For example, there's a Mishnah that talks about how a person should be held liable for burning down someone's house because they left a Hanukkah candle outside and that ignited some flax on the back of a camel, who is liable, and so on and so forth. But that's not about Hanukkah per se. That's about the laws of damages. So why is why is it that the laws of Hanukkah are not mentioned in the Mishnah? 
And there are many different answers that have been given, and I'm not going to go through the, the various answers, except for the simplest answer is that there is an earlier text that was put into writing before the mission. It's a small little book called Megillah Ta'anit, the Scroll of Fasting. It's about all the minor holidays, and these were really minor holidays that are no longer in existence. They're defunct. These are holidays that commemorated various miracles when we're not allowed to eulogize or fast or do things that bring on sadness. The Talmud tells us that once the temple was destroyed, that book was no longer in effect. In other words, the laws concerning those minor holidays have been abolished. We no longer have to observe those holidays. And there it does mention some of the laws of Hanukkah. So there was no need for the Mishnah to put them into writing because there was already in writing. That's the simple explanation and a very true one. But there's another explanation that is an enigmatic one that I'd like to discuss and try to find some way of understanding it. This is attributed to an 18th century sage known as the Hassam Sofer, Rabbi Moshe Schreiber. He was the chief rabbi of the city of Preshburg, which is now, I believe, Bratislava in Slovakia. And he was celebrated as one of the greatest authorities on Jewish law and a very great Jewish leader. And this is attributed to him, although it's not mentioned in any of his extensive writings, and he has very extensive writings, and he talks about Hanukkah extensively, but this is not mentioned in any of those works. So people question the authenticity of this tradition. But this is what he says. He says, the heroes of Hanukkah, who are the heroes of Hanukkah? The Maccabees or the Hasmoneans, Hashmonaim. And they were Kohanim, they were priests. Now, when they defeated the Syrian Greeks, they were great heroes, there's no question about it. But what happened is, they arrogated to themselves, not the original Maccabees, but their children or grandchildren, arrogated into themselves the position of the monarchy. They were Kohanim, they were priests, and they were also monarchs. And then it degenerated into civil war, And ultimately, Herod murdered all the descendants of the Maccabees, of the Hashmanaim. And the reason why they had such a terrible fate, Nachmanides explains, because they did something egregiously wrong. Leadership belongs to the descendants of King David. Once they dedicated the temple and they liberated the Jewish people from Syrian Greek tyranny, They should have appointed a descendant of King David from the tribe of Yehuda to be the leader instead of keeping the monarchy and the priesthood to themselves. The priesthood, they had no choice. They were born Kohanim. But why did they also take the position of monarchy? And because Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, the editor and compiler of the Mishnah, was a descendant of King David, he felt very badly about the Maccabees, about the Hashmanaim, and he penalized them that their holiday should not have a, a prominent place in the Mishnah, not even, not, a prom, not even a non-prominent place. Nothing about Hanukkah is really contained in the Mishnah, none of its important laws. That was a punishment, a penalty for the Hashmanaim not doing what they were supposed to do. And many commentators, including our Rebbe, find this explanation to be very, very problematic, very difficult to comprehend. Why would they punish a holiday? 
it's not as if the holiday was not observed by Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. He certainly observed this holiday. And the laws of the holiday were still known to people. They were passed down orally until subsequent period after the Mishnah was compiled. But why would you punish a Jewish holiday because of some of the people who were responsible for the holiday, some of their children and grandchildren degenerated into a place where they shouldn't have gone and they did something that they shouldn't have done. It doesn't make any sense that you would punish the holiday. So I'd like to try to defend the Hassam Sofer's explanation to the extent that he didn't say what people claim he said, but he meant something else totally different. Why was the Mishnah put into writing? As I said before, because people were no longer going to be able to remember the sea of knowledge. There's so much to remember in the oral tradition, and Jews were less, had less time on their hands. There's going to be a lot of oppression, and Jews are scattered all over and fragmented. If they didn't have a text to remind them of the teachings, it would have been forgotten. Where did forgetfulness come from? Where did forgetfulness come from? And the answer is, forgetfulness comes from the fact that we have a very strong animal nature. And that animal nature is responsible for the weakness of our memory to retain words of Torah. And that's why you, they had to put the Mishnah into writing. And the word Mishnah, if you rearrange the letters, it reads Menashe. What does Menashe mean? Menashe is the name of Joseph's son that we're reading about in the Torah now. What does the word mean? Why did he name his son Menashe? Because Joseph said, God made me forget the travail of my father's house. So the root of the word Menashe, and therefore Mishnah, just by rearranging the letters, suggests the same thing, is the idea of forgetfulness. Mishnah is the antidote for Menashe. Now, let's trace ourselves back to the victory of the Hashmonaim. When the Hasmoneans, the Maccabees, won their victory against the Syrian Greeks, and they rededicated the temple. That was a perfect age. You had Jews living in Israel. You had the temp- holy temple dedicated, purified, and you had a perfect situation. If they had appointed, there was one thing missing. There was no Mashiach. There was no leader that God wanted to be from the house of David. If they would have appointed someone from the house of David, who was worthy, obviously, to be the leader, that would have been the Messianic age. And if that would have been the Messianic age, then there would not have been the degeneration of that family of leadership, and they wouldn't have invited the Romans into Israel, which is what happened in the end, that in the Civil War, one of the brothers invited the Romans, which gave them a foothold in the land, which eventually led to them dominating the land and then destroying the temple, bringing about exile and exile conditions, which necessitated putting the Mishnah into writing. Had they not done that, had they appointed a descendant of King David, then There would have never been a need to put the Mishnah in writing because all the conditions that came about as a result of the deterioration of Israel 
because the Maccabees themselves didn't keep the victory, they lost that victory eventually, which led to the destruction of the temple and the ensuing exile. So that's why you don't find Hanukkah in the Mishnah, not as a punishment for the for Hanukkah, God forbid, but because Hanukkah, if Hanukkah was just left the way it was, the way it was intended to ensure the purity of the Jewish people, which would have necessitated them appointing a descendant of King David, as is the law, as the law requires, there would have been no need for a Mishnah. So by keeping Hanukkah out of the Mishnah, it's saying Hanukkah doesn't need Mishnah. And I'd like to just add another dimension to this, that Hanukkah is eight days. How do you write eight in Hebrew? Shmona. Shmona has the same letters as Mishnah and Menashe. What do we do in Hanukkah? We light. What do they do in the temple? They lit the menorah. But what kind of fuel did they use? Oil, special oil. Well, the word Hashemen, the oil, has the same letters as Mishnah and Menashe. And Shmona ate. All these words come together. There's Menashe, which means forgetting. There's Mishnah, which is the text of the Mishnah. There's Hashemen, the oil, and Shmona, the eight days of Hanukkah. In short, when we talk about eight days of Hanukkah, eight is a number that our sages tell us represents transcendence. Seven is the cycle of nature. Eight is transcending nature. Hanukkah is so holy, is so transcendent, that it ties in with the number eight. No other Jewish holiday ties in with the number eight. Yes, Rosh Hashanah is two days. Yom Kippur is one day. Pesach is seven days in Israel. We're talking about in Israel. Shavuot is one day. Sukkot is eight days, but it's not really eight days. It's seven days plus another day, which is like a separate holiday. It's not eight continuous days. Hanukkah is the only holiday that has eight continuous days because Hanukkah represents transcending all of the limitations of exile. And therefore, Mishnah is a structure. Hanukkah transcends structure, and it doesn't have to be mentioned in the Mishnah. So anyone who says that Hanukkah is a minor holiday misses the whole point. It's not only not a minor holiday, it's even major among major holidays. And that's why the Midrash tells us, according to one version, that in the Messianic age, all the biblical holidays will fade in importance relative to the new holidays that we'll have because of the redemption, because of the Messianic age. But there are some exceptions. And one of the exceptions, according to one version, it's Yom Kippur and Hanukkah, another version of Purim and Hanukkah. But Hanukkah is certainly there, that this will still be a very powerful holidays in the Messianic age, because Hanukkah represents the light, the light that is unconventional light. It's light that is uncompromised light. It's light that doesn't allow for any type of forgetfulness. It's indeed the light that God created on the first day of creation, where it says that you could see from one end of the world to the other. That means there were no limitations of space. And therefore, you transcend time as well. Time is divided into seven. And therefore, you transcended all of the limits that we have as human beings. Hanukkah allows us to rise above humanity to reach out to the divine. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show.